Welcome to the Finding North podcast. I'm Chris Morris. This week's story is a horror story called Forever Flesh. Please enjoy. There once was a boy who owned a doll. He was all skin and bones and very small. But most of the time he felt proud and large when he let his doll know that he was in charge. He poked her eyes out with a pin. He burnt her arms with a sadistic grin. He made her sleep in sludge and bile. He made her cry despite her smile. But this boy got one thing very wrong. At nights there came an enchanting song. Those who heard it could relax and soothe, while the music helped the doll to move. She limped into the boy's dark room, empty of cheer, thoughts of doom. She remembered her years of torment and strife, while dragging along the large kitchen knife. She stabbed his eyes and wildly cackled. She sliced his arms until they were mackled. She ignored the boy's petty pleading and screams. She carried on living her happiest dreams. Horribly disfigured, the boy lived on. He burned the doll until she was gone. Laughed at and jeered at for all of his childhood, he was deprived of love and everything good. He moved on from dolls and tortured mice. When consumed alive, they tasted nice. But no matter how much he loved his dark pastime, he longed to move on to something sublime. His stomach growled, demanded food. He desired something better, something good. It had to be something tasty and fresh. He relished the thought of human flesh. While sniffing around for someone to devour, he arrived at a cabin at a dark and late hour. Inside was a man lying rigid and still, and the boy understood he was seriously ill. You are the boy who tortured that doll. I'd hoped my spell might be your downfall. For I am the one who awakened her by song, and buried in the ground, my boy, is where you belong. Then the monster ended the man's life with none other than that same kitchen knife, and now he had the very last laugh, for he also took with him the wizard's magic staff. Now he waits in the shadows, marking his prey, holding the ultimate power to cause grief every day. And here it comes, the perfect little fleshling. It'll be trapped forever, nothing but his unwitting plaything. Guthrid awoke surrounded by devious shadows. He was aware of the type, the ones that moved concurrently with eyes searching for secrets, the ones that not only refused to reveal their gloomy mysteries, but laughed cruelly as they did. He could see that he was sitting with his back against a mouldy wall inside a dishevelled room of some sort, but much of the roof was missing and the windows had long ago broken, inviting a chilling air to come foully dancing in. From one of the holes in the wall, a delicate slither of moonlight crept inside. And yet, the shadows remained thickly scattered, concealing their secrets. But to Guthrid's side, A thing much too radiant and fine to be kept hidden stood tall. 
His eyes narrowed in their endeavour to discover more of this veiled treasure among the baleful tenebrosity. Sweet maiden with cotton white hair, why doth thee stand watch over me? If only these ghastly shadows would part for but a paltry moment to reveal the colour of thine eyes and the shape of thy mouth. Oh, Grace, grant me clemency that I may fix these tired eyes upon that which stands before me. And the lady moved, a single silent step, enough for her face to slide with simple elegance into the whisper of moonlight shining down upon the hard floor. The sweet maiden's face was just as Guthrie had already imagined, so fine, so lovely, her smile painted on by an artist who created things of an incomparable beauty with every delicate stroke of his brush. Her scarlet cheeks blushed like sweet apples much too fine and exquisite to bite. And her eyes, her eyes were... missing. Two prodigious black holes replaced the resplendent eyes that Guthrie had expected, and although they were absent, the maiden's gaze was clearly fixed upon Guthrie's fluttering eyelids. Those dark chasms seemed as deep as eternity and as sincere as time. And yet, Guthrie still found beauty within them. A beauty so fierce, it was in equal measures inspiring and horrifying. And when the lady spoke, her voice was soft, melodic, enticing. Hello, Guthrie. Are you well? Had he written these words in a journal... Guthrie would place no question mark at the end of the sentence, for the lady's voice, although pleasant, spoke in a straight monotone. How could it be that a voice so lovely, so full of beauty, could at the same time be flat and distant, melodious and yet tuneless? Tis akin to a song sung by one who has known great music, but now sits alone and dispirited, the melodies of the past nothing but a distant memory that may only have been but a fleeting dream. Forgive me, my lady, Guthrie returns, but I know not where I am, nor whom thee may be. I have awoken here surrounded by shadows, and my memory fails me, for I cannot remember where I might have been hitherto. And yet thou kens my name. Pray, tell thy secrets. How is it that thee has come to ken me? She did not move. She stood where she was, fixed to the ground as though tethered by hard chains weighted by anchors, but she spoke once again in her musical yet single-toned voice. Thou hast been known to me for a very long time. These words had a weight to them that Guthrid did not fully understand. He could feel the lady's absent eyes attempt to unwrap him from skin to flesh. The way she continued to stand, tall, rigid, void of sentience, warned Guthrid of dark transgressions whispered only in the blackness, heard only by bleeding ears that had beheld much wicked variance. How? Guthrid asked. My lady, how doth thee ken me? Then she said, Blood covenant and promised brawn. And as Guthrid attempted to unravel this new mystery, he thought he glimpsed something most peculiar about the fair maiden. The moonlight met her cheek and bounced from it with fright. The illuminance did nothing to highlight any particular and beautiful feature of this woman, but rather recoiled and sped away into the night. It made Guthrid wonder if mayhap even the most frightening creatures from the unspoken nightmares of children might perhaps have fled upon sight of this strange but splendid thing. Guthrid stood and stepped towards her. 
My lady, if you would be so gracious, may I take thy hand in mine but for a flitting moment? Why? the lady asked, toneless. So that I might quell a strange anxiety that has awakened within me and disturbed my peaceful mind. Please, just a moment. And she did as was requested. Slowly she raised her left arm and extended it towards Guthrid. It was a strange sight to behold. The arm was both discoloured and misshapen. It was slightly blackened and it dipped downwards in the middle, as though it had somehow melted. As he took the hand at the end of it on his own, Guthrid first noticed that it was harder and colder than he'd expected it to be. It feels as though it's made of wax, he said. It is, the lady responded, and Guthrid dropped her hand. He stepped backwards and glared into her two black holes. This fine lady was no lady at all. Or perhaps she once was. Perhaps this terrible place had done this to her. What black magic could have transformed this once radiant and majestic woman into a charred vessel with not left of her humanity but a handful of expounded elements? The painted mouth must surely once have smiled upon gleeful and thankful hearts. The holes in her face must once have been home to eyes like clandestine treasures, admired by the few brave souls with enough valour in their hearts to observe them without shame. Who are thee? Guthrid asked. I have no name the lady said. He never named me. And now a deep foreboding swept across the body and soul of Guthrid, a dreadful and sinister trepidation at the mention of this he. Perhaps this was the most pressing matter at present, to find out more about the owner of this enchanted being standing before him, the maker of this doll come to life. Yes, a doll, a child's plaything, enlarged to the size of a grown woman by some godly or devilish enchantment. No name, Guthrid said. If it was my own decision to make, I would name the Aurora, after the beautiful and radiant lights in the skies of the north. My heart would be irretrievably lost to hear it told that thy name was something like Mordred, a name reserved for those cursed by devils and demons. What say thee, if you had to guess... Would thy maker name thee by the gods or the devils? That would depend, the doll replied. Depend upon what? Your perception. Would thee think it evil of me to do to thine eyes what thy maker did to mine? Would it be sinful of me to burn you as my maker burns me? Guthrid took a cautious step backwards as the doll's gaping eye holes burned with hot conspiracy. And if I did it again, she continued, and again, and again, and again, would thee think me made by a demon that dreams of torment? Yes, Guthrid said. Yes, I would. Then think of me as the mother of all demons. Without warning, the doll lady's slender and melted arms suddenly extended, and her hands, much stronger than Guthrie would ever have imagined, gripped onto him and pulled. As he was helplessly drawn towards this lady of catastrophe, Guthrie could only close his eyes tightly and pray to every god from every tale he'd ever known. Oh, forgotten gods of the skies and the seas, grant me mercy that my death shall be quick! The prayer fell upon deaf ears. The doll sucked at his sockets with enough force to pull his eyes from them. Guthrid screamed as the doll slurped greedily on them, smacking her lips hungrily between every bite. 
Then the mouth cracked and broke open, revealing a gargantuan dark passage void of anything but three rows of jagged and brown teeth. Guthred felt every tear of flesh and every snap of bone. When the doll was finished, she spat his remains onto the floor where they writhed. Even in death, there was no rest for Guthred. Wondrous thing, beauteous thing, without thee I might walk abroad among the cretins of this damned world with nothing but spite and hatred within my heavy heart. It might have been that I'd never have known the wonders, the true splendours that can be found only if one searches among complete and utter darkness for weeks and months beyond. Without thee, I am nothing but an unwanted creature searching the night for nourishment that will never come. Thou art my saviour, my love, my heir to breathe in this sea of trepidatious quandary and everlasting plight. He kissed the staff, lightly, pleasantly, laid her on the ground before his feet and wrapped her lovingly in an old scarf. She would be safe now, warm. He still could not fathom that she had ever belonged to anyone else, lest the unworthy old fool he had taken her from. Do not think about it. Such a foul time for my dear beloved staff. He sniffed the air. The other fool had begun to rot again. Guthrid. After she had slept peacefully, he would unwrap his lovely staff and allow her great power to once more envelop the creature, reverse the horrifying and savage death, and do it again. Foolish elf! Led to the most remote part of the forest to the very cabin in which I first laid eyes upon my cherished staff, led by the cajoling song of a fair maiden. Oh, no finer bait than this might have been left for a stumbling buffoon with little brains, but much flesh to be given. Promised brawn indeed. A pledge of pound after pound of tormented flesh. Nourishment. Nourishment for all time. And it would go on, for as long as he wanted it to. Wave the staff, change to the doll. Wake the fool, play with it, eat it. Wave the staff, change to the doll. Wake the fool, play with it, eat it. Wave, change, wake, play, eat. Wave, change, wake, play, eat. He stood in his doll form and listened to the idiot's prattle. Another gift from his beloved, the ability to hear the thoughts of his prey. Sweet maiden with cotton white hair, why doth thee stand watch over me? If only... He knew this by heart now. He could sing the song of indiscretion alongside Guthrid if he wanted to. But always he played the same game. Because always... It was deeply satisfying. Three hundred years. And the flesh tasted just as sweet as ever.
thank you for listening to the Finding North podcast. Please follow the podcast on your preferred platform and head over to chrisamorris.com for all the latest. Next week's story is called Please, for the love of everything that is good, do not listen to this story. <laughs>